us, before we begin, let us pray. Father, have your way with us this morning. Stir in our hearts the nagging call of your mission. That in our lives, we will have you only always living in us. We pray for your Holy Spirit to fill every one of us this morning, to fill us with your word, to inspire us. And we ask of all this in Jesus' name. Amen. The topic today is the mission of God's people. It's a title of a book uh, written by Christopher Wright, an Anglican pastor and an Old Testament scholar. He was previously the principal of All Nations Christian College and currently serves as the International Director of Langham Partnership, a ministry founded by the late Reverend John Stokes to equip and train local pastors on biblical preaching and teaching. In our church, our outreach work are categorized administratively into three ministries. The missions, the WNE, <coughs> which is Witness and Evangelism, and the Social Concerns Ministry. But this categorization sometimes makes it difficult to see the large picture. <coughs> Bishop Hua Yong, during the recent Eldersgate, Eldersgate lecture, explained that John Wesley did not see any distinctive difference between missions overseas or evangelism in the local church. Missions to us Methodists is a comprehensive task. So be it local, overseas, doing evangelism or social action, we are fundamentally making Christ known. For the purposes of this sermon, I will be using mission as an overarching word, representing the overall outreach effort of the church. Back to the topic of today's sermon. One of the ideas of Christopher Wright's books is that our call to mission is not simply founded on some key passages like the Great Commission. A biblical reading of God's Word shows us that the entire Bible is about the missionary work of God. Let me take you through this chart. In the beginning, there was the creation, and it's the beginning of all peoples. At a point, God purposed for a 100% biblical world from the start. Perfect world, perfect people. There was harmony between God, man, and the creation. But starting from the fall in Genesis 3, God's purposes were spoiled at every point. His plans were derailed time and again. We see murders, strife, sexual disorders, human pride. The situation degenerated leading to the Great Flood and the Tower of Babel. And all this within nine chapters of Genesis. We may read the words in Genesis as if they were bedtime stories. But in reality, it was a terrible moment. Sin had declared the human race so much that God had to press the reset button. All the goodness God designed and declared in the creation, in, in the creation episode, in Genesis 2 to 3, all gone down the drain in 11 chapters. It was at this point in Genesis 12, God saw an aged couple, Abram and Sarai. He decided that Abram must leave his family and God will make him a great nation. And through him, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. From Abraham, we have Isaac, we have Jacob, we have the 12 tribes of Israel. And the rest of Old Testament tells us that the tribes became a nation. And Israel, a nation redeemed by God in Exodus, has a missionary call. They are a people set apart so that they can be an example to the depravity in the, Canaan, in, in the land of Canaan. The people who practice child sacrifices, sexual rights, and cult prostitution. But sadly, as we read through Old Testament, even to the end, Israel didn't live up to its expectations. 
it was nowhere near to what God had intended Israel to be. After 400 years of intertestament silence was the night where the stars shone brightly above Bethlehem. It was the night of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. From the seed of Abraham, we have Jesus Christ. God himself became the missionary. He lived, died and rose to heaven and he commissioned the disciples, his church, in Matthew 28, Acts 1.8, to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. From the book of Acts, the rest of New Testament records the explosive growth of the church, even in face of risk, persecution, death, and rejection. Finally, the biblical canon ends in Revelations with a vision of worship by every nation, every people, every tongue, and every tribe. A time where every knee shall bow at the name of the Lord Almighty. In my short presentation, you can already sense that missions is not a by-the-way subject in the Bible. The Bible did not just contain a bunch of verses that happened to provide a rationale for missionary behavior. These verses, like the Great Commissions, are important. But what I'm trying to say is that when you read all the great episodes of the Bible story, and you read all the great doctrines of our faith, you will find that they converge around the Bible's central character, the living God and His grand purpose for the whole of creation. The whole Bible is a record, a product, a witness to the mission that God had undertook. Today I want to share with you three important observations on the mission of God. Firstly, mission is very much God's idea from the beginning to the end for the whole world. God designed the world perfect, a world where man is to multiply and benefit from earth. It is God's in creational intent and design. But since the fall of man in Genesis 3, God had been relentlessly trying to bring the whole world back to His creational intent. God's effort can be said to be stubborn. So stubborn that He sent His only Son on this humiliating and punishing missionary journey. Mission is not an idea that God made up along the way, not something that He woke up and then He suddenly felt that He needed to save us. Mission is not one of the Christian things to do as a Christian. It is the thing that God had intended to do from Genesis until the last day. It is His grand purpose, beginning from the call of Abraham, that all families of the earth shall be blessed. Secondly, mission is not just about salvation of souls. It is ultimately about restoration of God's creational purposes. The modern church puts a lot of emphasis on the salvation of souls. We are told all the time to go make disciples. But we are seldom told for what purpose we are to go. This is probably why many Christians have a distaste for evangelism and many non-Christians take offence. Because this command makes it sound like a sales target. Sounds like we are out to grab numbers. The salvation of souls is not the objective of our mission. What God wants is the restoration, a transformation of the person in obedience to God's standard. And through the person's transformation, his work, his life, his family, his entire ecosystem will be transformed. To help us understand it better, it is the salvation of the whole of creation, beginning with the salvation of souls. It is the salvation of the whole of creation beginning with the salvation of souls. When Adam sinned, 
both men and land were, both men and the land were cursed. So the love and the power of God, in this case, takes away not only the sin of individuals, but more importantly, the effect of it, the curse, the strife, and the sufferings. In Exodus, God did not grant spiritual salvation to the people of Israel. He brought about real change in politics, economic society. Our salvation in Christ is to bring about real change to our lives, real change to our families and our work. When a man is saved, he begins to treat, he, begin to, he stops counting costs, the rights and the wrongs, and begins to love his family and children sacrificially, unconditionally, like Christ would. When a homemaker is saved, she begins to treat her domestic helper as the person made in the image of God. When the person working in office is saved, he begins to serve the employer as if unto the Lord. He proposes and conducts business that are biblical, ethical, with care of creation in mind. When politicians and civil servants are saved, policies are set up, not just to win votes, but actually bring about biblical jubilee in the lives of common men. God declared in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 2, We are to be holy because He is holy. What is holiness? Is, is it attending church, cell group, or how spirit-filled our singing or worship are? Is it about how many people attending our program or how many respond by saying the sinner's prayer? No! Interestingly, when we read the rest of Leviticus 19, it tells us that holiness is respect within family and community, loyalty to God, generosity to the poor, justice in employment, social compassion to the disabled, judicial integrity, fairness in treatment to minorities and foreigners, commercial honesty. I think you see the point by now. This is what our mission should bring about, the restoration of our broken world. My challenge to you is, do you know how big our gospel is? Do you understand how wide this redemption is? This is what God meant when He commanded us to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. Literally, every aspect of it. Every aspect of it. Finally, mission is what we are called to as the chosen people. Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 3, affirming that we are heirs in the promise of Abraham. And therefore, we are heirs to this calling to go and be a blessing. Peter declared in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, so that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. The verse in 1 Peter is full of meaning. The pronoun used by the apostle is not directed specifically at the missionaries or our pastor, the people in suit or collar or tie. It is directed at us, the followers of Jesus, the heirs of Abraham, the people of God. That we, along with these professionals, that is our pastors and our missionary, are together a chosen people, a royal priesthood. If you are a Christian, then you have been called out of darkness to become God's special possession so that you may declare His praise or in other words, to become witness to His goodness to the world. Generally, when I ask people to 
share a testimony or to, hey, this guy needs to hear the four spiritual laws. The typical response will be, don't want lah. I, I don't know how, cannot, I, I don't know how to do it. Historically, we are not the only ones who try to avoid God. Exodus 4, Moses did the same. He said, oh my God, cannot, I'm not eloquent, I, I cannot talk. Maybe send, send somebody else. But God didn't give Moses any chance to run. God said, you don't know how to talk, right? Never mind. I send you Aaron, your brother. He can talk. So I talk to you, you talk to Aaron, Aaron will talk to other people. All you need to do is to take the stick, the tongkat, and you wave around. After 4,000 years of hearing our complaints and all the excuses of why cannot, God decided that enough is enough. <clears throat> he finally invented the internet. Cannot talk? Never mind. You can share and post on Facebook, Instagram, and WeChat. No need to use Moses Tongkat. This is the upgraded version. Can do lots of miracles, show pictures, show video, and have multiple functions. And can do it in multiple languages. So you don't need to have barriers. Six months ago, when I was asked to do this sermon, I was told to teach all of you how to share the gospel. I said, ah, pastor, very hard, right? How to teach? Very odd, you know? Do the four spiritual laws here. But thank God, <clears throat> God, internet. So today, I still fulfill this task that my pastor gave to me. Okay, now, first, now I need all of you to take out your handphone. First time in service, you are officially allowed to use your handphone in service. I'm going to share with you three apps. Number one is everystudent.com. Go to your Google Play or your uh, Apple, Apple App Store. Download Every Student. This is a Crusade app. Every Student. Okay. Then there's another one which I'm going to show you in the next slide. It's called God's, God, God's Tool. Okay, as you download this one, I'm going to show you this video on God's Tool, an intro video. Got sound or not? Never shared your faith before. The app offers multiple tools that help you understand the gospel <coughs> profoundly. Communicate it simply in over 60 languages. Share it easily, anytime, any place. Join those who have used it in over 200 countries. Step out in faith with God Tools today. God Tools is one of my favorite apps to share or have four. There are different ways of sharing the gospel, four spiritual law, the four honoring God. And it goes you slide by slide, step by step. You just need to read from point A to point B. And lots of pictures. Most importantly, it makes the gospel available in multi-languages. So if your colleague is an uh, uh, Indian, for example, and cannot speak his language, you can always go to download and the, the a particular verse or use Google Translate to share what you need to share with him. And this is the Bible app. Also in multiple versions of the Bible, some multiple of multiple versions of a single language. And the best of best part of this Bible app is that it has the audio Bible. So you don't know how to speak that, that verse to him, you can play. Press play. That's one is easy. Now when somebody asks you about Jesus, about your faith, May I suggest something? Don't just ask him, do you want to go to church? Can I bring you to church? Or 
how about join the Alpha course? No, you, you must join the Alpha course uh, because I'm supposed to promote it according to my program coordinator. <clears throat> you know, we have one in September, you know, we invite you to come. But my point is that don't just ask him to join the Alpha course. May I suggest that you say, come, let me show you. Then you take the app and you swipe. You show him slide by slide what your faith is about. There was a survey conducted by the Straits Times and NUSS, SUSS. They found that our young people want job with a purpose. This was a survey done earlier this year. The desire to be purposeful is not just for the young people of our times. It is in every one of us, even to the pioneer and Medeca generation. Just that life was tougher in those days, survival and stability was the focus. Many of the pioneer generation and the Medeca generation don't get to talk about lofty ideas. But I believe that deep down in everyone's heart, it is there. The desire to be purposeful, to be useful, it is embedded in our DNA. We attend church every Sunday. We attend cell group and participate in all sorts of, uh, all different kind of ministry. But I want to tell you that this morning, we must have a higher purpose. I want to tell you that to stop waiting for God to call you, to choose a job, to select a ministry, or to speak to someone whom you know need Jesus. You don't need a calling. Genesis 12, Matthew 28, Acts 1-8, 1 Peter 2-9, and the rest of the Bible says you are already called. You don't need to go full-time. You are already in ministry, full-time, just that you are not working in the church office. You don't need to become a pastor. You are already pastors and witnesses and evangelists to your friends, your families, and your children and your co-workers. All this while we are nurses, teachers, businessmen, accountants, researchers, human resource specialists, civil servants. You are planted where God wanted you to be. In mission, witnessing to God's glory, raising up His name, establishing His kingdom principles until one day every tongue, every tribe, every nation, every people come to worship Him. Let God be known in our witness through our entire lives. Let God be known through our gifts, our toil, our purposes. Let God be known through every piece of work that we do and every hour of rest that we have. Let God be known through actions, through speech that bring about restoration to how life is intended to be. Abundant and free in Christ. This morning, I have selected the closing song, How Great Is Our God in World Edition. Brothers and sisters, I can't describe to you in words what, how does it look like at the last day where every tongue shall confess, every knee shall bow, I guess this video is a glimpse of heaven, a glimpse of the last day, a glimpse of the product of our mission, of why we are called out of darkness into this marvelous light, so that we may declare the goodness of God to all the world. We may live out the goodness of God in all the world. They may restore the brokenness, the strife, the sin, the suffering in all of the world. I invite you 
ask you. No. I think God wants to call you. God has already called you on this journey. I'd like to give you time to respond to God this morning. I believe God is speaking in your heart to each and every one of you to awaken your inner soul. If you think witness and evangelism is not about salvation or souls wrong, it is not. You are already in mission. If God is speaking to you this morning, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning, I'd like you to respond to Him. Is the God I want to be? I want to stand in the gap. one pure and holy passion give us one magnificent obsession give us one glorious ambition for our lives the desire to serve you to be on this journey the desire to see to be there the last day we don't want to be left out we want to be there the last day where we join the chorus of heaven and earth and praise you and bow down before you and cry holy, holy, holy Lord Lord God Almighty let's sing together how great is our God how great is our God sing with me how great is our God all will see how great how great is our God I missed it. how great is our God sing with me You're the name above all names. You're the name above all names. You are worthy of all praise. And my heart will sing how great is our God. Cause you're the name above all names. You're the
indeed if God is worthy of all praise the name above all names and surely it is our duty and our great privilege to bring this God to the rest of the world let's close in prayer before we cut off the broadcast Lord we thank you for our brother Kelvin for that wonderful reminder powerful reminder needed reminder that all of us are called so Lord Paul for your Holy Spirit on all of us that we may be your bold witnesses here where we are in Singapore and also to the ends of the world because God you are worthy we thank you Lord